I never morphed into any of these boxes. Like, you know, people want to pop you into a box, but it's your decision if you want to, to go along with the molding or not. I wasn't going to lose weight for anybody. I wasn't going to stop being loud and having my personality. I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it. From the good stuff like hiring and growing a team. To the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch. So what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? We are very, very excited about today because we have a special guest joining us. Ashley Graham is here. She is the ultimate multi-hyphenate. She's a supermodel, entrepreneur, designer, author, advocate, and she's a new mom. Uh, She's known as a trailblazer in the fashion industry and has emerged as a voice for inclusivity and empowerment. Ashley, I'm so excited to have you with us. You are always someone that's so fun and interesting to talk to. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. Thank you, Danielle, it's always good to see you. I wish that I could see you in person so I could like rub some like baby juju all over your belly. (laughs) First of all, how's the baby? How is is life in Nebraska? You're in your mom's basement. We have been here since like March 13th. Like it was like right when it started and we were hearing rumors of of New York City shutting down. And my mom who is, who helps me out with Isaac, lives in New York with us. So she said, let's just drive back to New York City. And I was like, but that's like a really long drive. She said, I can do it. It's 20 hours, we'll just do it nonstop. And sure enough, she drove 17 of the 20. My husband took the last (laughs) few hours because he just needed to. And we made it and we've been traveling and we've been very cautious about where we've been traveling, loads of road trips because we have that travel bug still. And I think it's been so nice to be able to see the country from a new perspective. That's pretty cool. So how has it been doing road trips with, how old is Isaac now? So Isaac is seven and a half months and we, seriously, Danielle, one of the, one of the best things after, so go through, go through pregnant, go through the labor and everything. Mm -hmm. But then when they're like, four or five months, maybe five months. I don't know how old, like the like good time to do it is, but sleep training because oh, yeah. then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I, I slept through the night and the baby's okay. And he's, he still likes me. <laughs> so let's start off with basic question. Although for you, this is like not a basic question. Skim your resume for us. <laughs> oh, wow. The resume. First of all, I read the skim this morning. I was so, I just, I love waking up to this skim. You guys bring me so much joy. And you also, thank you. I tell you this every time, but you just make me feel smarter. So just thank you. Aw, thank you. Okay, highlights. Moved to New York at 17, had to figure out the modeling industry, then was in a TV commercial for Lane Bryant that was banned. My name was on the map. Then a few years later, I started a lingerie line um, with a Canadian company that catapulted into a few, mm, one major cover because I was not a editorial girl. I'm not giving you highlights, sorry. Um, then that catapulted into Sports Illustrated cover, which sent me into then starting my own swimsuit line, which then started snowballing into so many amazing things like a book, a Barbie that was made in my likeness. I didn't know you had a Barbie. 
Yes. Oh, that is so cool. She's thick. She, I mean, it's like, it's amazing how she really looks like me too. It's bizarre. I was just on the cover of Vogue in January, pregnant. Yes. That was my second American Vogue cover. Um, oh my God. I don't even know. I, I did a Ted talk. I've got a podcast. I've got an, I've got some shows. We're going to get into it. You've done a lot. What is something that people can't Google about you? Ooh, what my farts smell like when you're pregnant. <laughs> this is why I love anytime we're together. I have to tell you. So uh, for those of you listening, Ashley was our moderator for the first night of our book tour tour. And Carly and I were like just fucking terrified. And Ashley, we got to hang out with in the green room before. When I was pregnant. When you were pregnant and you were just so chill and relaxed. And it was like the best calming energy and fun. And we like, so appreciate that, that this is the best part of being with you. So I feel like that's something that people can't Google. I mean, it's hard because I am such an open book, but now being a mom, like I have realized that there are some things that I just want to keep for me and Justin. Um, and, and you'll feel that too. Like there's, there's intimacy that doesn't need to be shared with the world. And, you know, you can talk about it, but you know, we've, we decided to not for right now, share Isaac's photo on social media. And it's Mm -hmm. been something that, that we've kind of gone back and forth with, but I'm, I'm really glad because he's ours and maybe one day the world will really get to know him. I'm so happy for you guys. So I want to go start with you as a kid. You moved to New York city when you were 17. Did you always know you wanted to be a model? I don't know if someone can know that like 17 is an early age to go from growing up in Nebraska to moving to New York City to become a model. My parents would have been like, no fucking way. (laughs) Well, I mean, your parents kind of threw you in and like, they were like, just go figure it out to you. But I mean, that's kind of like, I'm learning as a parent, like you have to kind of like push your kids into uncomfortable situations and you can't hold their hand. You have to let them fall. So I've lived everywhere, Texas, Atlanta, Arkansas, New Hampshire, Nebraska, and New York now, right? So we moved to Nebraska when I was in eighth grade from Texas. And I had just, right when we got here, got scouted and this, and, and I went into this modeling school and it was really weird. And I don't recommend that for anyone who is trying to put their kids in modeling or if you're looking to go into modeling. Modeling mm-hmm. school is BS. So that kind of turned into, oh, we're traveling. Oh, we're going to Europe. Oh, we're going to New York City. Oh, this is like, this is a thing. Oh, Ashley's making as much money as dad. Oh, wow, this is like a career. And I was not an academic. I was just like, I had dyslexia, I had ADD, and my reading level was really low um, compared to the other kids in my class. So my mom and dad knew that college was not on the trajectory for me. And I begged them, please let me go to New York City. Um, I've been a million times. I travel by myself at this point. Let me just move there. So I graduated high school in 2005, moved to New York, and they told me, if you do not become successful. And if you don't quote, make it, whatever make it was at that point in my career, I think it was just to like pay the bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause that's making it in New York city. Really, truly. I made it work. I had a roach infested apartment. I had two roommates and, um, and I made it work and I quote made it. So they never made me come back and go to college. And I think that there's moments that they regret 
me going so soon because I really, I was so young. I mean, I was 17, but you know, looking back, would I allow Isaac to do that? I don't know. I think it depends on the kid. Something I'm always struck by is when you talk about moving to New York at 17, my first thought is like, are you going out all the time? I partied so hard. And at the time they weren't checking IDs very closely or I would just go with club promoters. I was just always with the models, but I never fit in because I dressed like a very simple, you know, JC Penny girl from Nebraska. But then I was with all these models who were wearing like Alexander Wang or like really tiny outfits from like, you know, Houston street and all those like really tiny mm -hmm. outfits on the mannequins. And you're like, how does that go over the nipple? But yeah, that that was my life. And and then also the girl that I was a roommate with, uh, you know, she was from the South and she was about five years older than me. So she was, she was the one who actually taught me how to party and taught me, you know, how to use my sexuality even to like get in the front door. And I unfortunately never got to like ask my mom the sex questions. I, I learned everything from this roommate. I mean, that is like New York trial by fire. I think people are always struck by the amount of confidence that you have. And when I think about the age that you went off on your own, that could go one of two ways, right? It could either be you are super confident because you started as, you know, a teenager, a kid, and someone saw this and it was always innately in you. Or it could be modeling tends to, you know, have the reputation of being able to like fuck with your mind and self-image and body image. How do you think that confidence, like, were you always confident? My mom always told me, she said, you were always very confident. Even like, she said it started even when you were as young as two years old and we were at Disneyland and you were in the stroller and you were saying hi to everyone. And she said she knew then that she had a personality on her hands. So, <laughs> and you can imagine. So then it grows into here I am in middle school, high school, and I start modeling. And of course, I because I grew up with very confident parents and I was always in sports, I walked into modeling confident. But what happens there is that they tell you, oh, you're in a box or, you know, this is how you're labeled. And of course, I in school, I got the thunder thighs, I got cottage cheese legs, you know, I was always too intimidating for the guys because I was so, you know, my boobs were big and whatever. It's like any other kid that, that gets made fun of for things, right? But walking into modeling, it's a whole other beast because you're told to your face, like, why you don't work for the campaign or why you aren't good enough looking for something. That can make anybody who's confident, you know, just pop the balloon. I had to deal with a lot of that from about 15 into my early 20s. And then in my early 20s, I mean, it was just a whole other understanding of who I was. And how does that evolve, right? Whenever anyone famous does anything, I'm always like, I don't know how they deal with comments or I don't know how they deal with social. Does that stuff still get to you today? Have you found a new way to to cope with it? Well, today it doesn't bother me. I mean, I think that as long as I am not harming anyone and I haven't hurt anybody's feelings, then I don't have anything to really second guess. When it comes to me and my body, or, you know, if you want to make comments about me and my husband, like, or my career, whatever it is, that just means that you are insecure. And that just means that you have problems. And 
I can say that now as a 32 year old who has an amazing career and a business, but if I was growing up in social media era in high school, I can't say that it wouldn't get to me. I can't say that this wouldn't hit me in my core and make me you know, feel anxious and or depressed. So there is a fine line for just being able to brush things off and not really take it and, and take it so internally. And I, I do wonder like what is going to happen to this next generation under under us, the ones that were raised on social media. I know it's crazy. It can go either way because one, they it's all they know. And the other side is like, that is scary. And I feel like, you know, for the kids who don't feel like they fit in anywhere, like there's a hashtag for you, like whatever you're into, like go to that, you know, you can find it. But then there's also the bullying, the cyberbullying. It's just, it's so out of control. So I, I don't know. You mentioned something earlier about being told to stay in your box. And I feel like that's probably meant different things at different times. What did that mean in terms of modeling? And I'm getting into a little bit of you're someone that started out as the plus size model who then became huge mainstream Sports Illustrated cover, Vogue cover, Vogue cover pregnant, which, by the way, I loved. How did that start to evolve? Well, you know, from from the beginning of my career, I was labeled as a plus size model and I didn't know what that meant. I just knew that it meant, meant that I wasn't skinny. <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, I could have told you that. So then that evolved into the box of, OK, now you're too loud and now you have too much of an opinion. And then that evolved into, which by the way, all along, I never morphed into any of these boxes. Like, you know, people want to pop you into a box, but it's your decision if you want to, to go along with the molding or not. And it was always really hard for me to do what somebody ever just said. I, I just always had a rebellion streak in me, you know, whether it was a good thing or a bad thing, it just always was. So I always try to channel it now for good. And thank God I, I had that in me a bit when I was younger because I, I wasn't gonna lose weight for anybody. I wasn't gonna stop being loud and having my personality because models aren't supposed to have personalities. And then models from there aren't supposed to have businesses. You know, we're not smart enough to. And so I wanted to start my lingerie company and I had went to my modeling agency and I said to them, I said, I want to design bras. I'm known not as Ashley Graham. I, nobody knew my name yet, but they just knew me as a lingerie girl because they'd seen me in so many commercials. And if somebody knows me as a lingerie girl, shouldn't we capitalize on that? Shouldn't we like go and fill a hole in a market where there is no sexy lingerie for girls that are my size and bigger? So they said no. <laughs> so I had to go and pop out of that box that they put me in and go do it myself. And it's turned into so many other opportunities for there because knowing that you don't have to do what anybody says except for what you want to do, is so empowering. It just is so empowering, especially as a young woman and especially nowadays where people are and society is really trying to put us in boxes and people are clawing out. It's difficult to put yourself out of that box sometimes if you don't have the mindset of what you want and what your goals are. I've read in doing prep for this that you prefer or you, you like the term curvy versus plus size. It's so funny because like even when I was younger, I was like, yeah, I just call me curvy. But now, I mean, I've been doing this for 20 years. So when I first started, I was 12 
And there was like this, I didn't get it yet, but when I was 15 and I moved to Ford, my agents there were like, we have to get rid of the word plus size. It's terrible. So there was like a ban to get rid of this word, this looming word. And now we are like no labels. We don't want labels. That's where it should have always been. It's just no labels. We don't need to categorize anybody because of the number inside of their pants is how I feel. But there are women who's, who still truly believe and feel that they want to be called plus size. They want to be called fat. They want to be called curvy. They want to be called voluptuous. They want a descriptive about them before their title. And I think that that's totally fine because that's what they want. But that's not my what I chose. Yeah. When you got the Sports Illustrated cover, how much did your life change? Whoa, 360. Like it was like, I, it's like, I, I, it's like hard. Look at me. I'm stumbling. I can't even explain to you the amount of change that happened in my personal life, in my business, how I was able to walk out the front door and and not have paparazzi. It was a huge flip. And I am so grateful still to Sports Illustrated all the time. I mean, they changed my life, they changed my career, and I'm so grateful. <laughs> when you shot it, like, did you have that feeling that this was going to be, I mean, obviously the Sports Illustrated cover is big, but the conversation that you started around inclusivity and beauty and even the terms that we just discussed, like, did you think all of that was going to come up? Well, it's interesting because, so if we back up a little bit, just the year before my SI cover. So Swimsuits for All is a company that I have my swimsuit lines with. And they did a casting, and it's so funny because they were having a casting for a big campaign. And I was so tired that day. I didn't want to go. And I was like, I'm tired. I'm not going to this casting, thinking I'm better than this casting, right? And my agent begged me, like, just go, like, just pop in. I was like, fine. So I went into the casting. Hey, 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 how are you? You know, they're like, wow, Mm -hmm. okay, nice to meet you, whatever. I get the call the next day. Oh, you got the job. Oh, okay. Oh, you're shooting in St. Bart's. Oh, oh, it's like a, it's like a travel job. Okay, cute. They're like, oh yeah, this is how much you're getting paid. I was like, oh shit. Oh, (laughs) how come I didn't want to get out of bed for this? Okay. So I was like, cute. All right. So we go, we shoot this campaign. And I had just done my vision board. I mean, like cut out the magazine, you know, Google words, write the whole thing. And I had put on my vision board, Sports Illustrated. Wait, did you do a vision board? Like this was something you do all the time? I haven't done one. I'll be honest. I haven't done one in a couple of years. Okay. But I have had probably four, three or four vision boards that I've kept in my bedroom. Because you wake up, you look at it, you go to sleep, you look at it, right? I had TED Talk on there. I had Sports Illustrated. I have Vogue cover. I had, I mean, it's like endless. And it's just like, check, check, check. And this was at the beginning of like the second vision board. And I get on set and they're like, oh yeah, did anybody tell you that this ad that we're shooting is going to be in Sports Illustrated? And I went, what? This ad is going to be in Sports Illustrated? They were like, yeah, you're going to be the first size 14 model in Sports Illustrated, but it's an ad. 
And I was like, holy shit, God works in mysterious ways. Yeah. And I looked up to the sky and I said, really, God? And I shot and I made sure, like, I put on my A game for that shoot. Well, sure enough, a couple months later, that came out in Sports Illustrated and it went viral. And people were like, I can't believe there hasn't been a curvy girl in the in Sports Illustrated. So And right before I did that campaign, I had had a casting with Sports Illustrated and I didn't get it. I didn't get the job, Mm -hmm. but I did get into an ad. So part of me really feels like that was a test. Sports Illustrated was testing the market to see if a girl my size would do well in their magazine. And sure enough, it was one of the best things they could have done. So Back to your question of, did I feel like that was going to be a cover when I was on the shoot? Yes and no, because they don't tell you when you're shooting it if you're gonna be the cover model or not. They don't even tell you before you're on the cover. They surprise you. So did I feel like I was killing it? You know, I was shooting in Turks and Caicos. Yes, I did. And was I practicing moves in the mirror the night before? You know it, I was. (laughs) And I even write in my book, I talk about how I did this pose called the Emily DiDonato because she was like a girl. I always felt like I kind of looked like her, but she was really thin, but she had a little bit of curve on her. And I was like, I'm going to do the Emily DiDonato. And sure enough, that's the pose that they put on the cover of SI, you know, kind of like on all fours, like a little booty pop, like, (laughs) (laughs) that is a great story. So We talked in the beginning when I introduced you, we talked about like Ashley is the ultimate multi-hyphenate because you've got so many different degrees to you, the book, the podcast, the different brand extensions. Who did you go to for advice? Well, obviously you can't go to your parents at this point, you know. It's a weird thing when you realize that. Yeah, it was, it's tough because like if I, you know, I could talk to my mom about stuff and she's like, well... You just pray about it, darling. (laughs) I'm like, I ain't got time to pray about this one, mama. (laughs) So I have had different people in my life that I've been able to call. One of them has been really great. I've had a couple of big contracts that, and even business proposals that I was feeling really wishy-washy on. And she gave me so much guidance. Her name's Cindy Eckert. And she actually created um, the female version of Viagra and sold it for a billion dollars. She's a phenomenal woman. I've interviewed her on my podcast, Pretty Big Deal. So, I mean, I just shoot her a text. I'm like, what would you do? And we just, I mean, it's great. But, you know, I've also had business managers that I've trusted with my heart and soul, attorneys. But as far as peers, I mean, it's weird because in the modeling industry, it feels so competitive. And it feels like you don't really necessarily have allies until you do, until you actually make those allies. But I think it takes time. And also for me, on my heart, it took time not being jealous of other girls and not being jealous of the fact that I didn't get that cover and I didn't get that job. Because if you're chasing jealousy, you're never going to get to where you actually are supposed to be in your career. How did you start to, because that seems like a very natural reaction, right? That also being a model today, it's the opposite of what you were saying in the beginning, which is now you have to have the Instagram game. And so everyone's kind of trying to do that. How did you figure out what your own thing was going to be and stay true to that? 
You know, it was interesting because it was right when social media started. I was kind of just like posting pictures, but like I didn't know what Facetune was. So I was just posting myself and people were like, oh, wow, you're real. Like that was the word they kept using was real. And I was like, why do they keep calling me real? Like I'm just myself. And sure enough, it was the comparison to the thin models who did not feel real to them. And I realized that this is where I could turn my platform into a business. And I could also turn my platform into giving a voice to younger girls who have gone through similar situations that I have or who are about to walk into similar situations that I have. You know, whether it's like looking for love through men, looking for acceptance or looking through for fullness uh, or for for something through food, you know, the acceptance um, when you walk into a department store and you want to go shopping, like the ideas and the examples are endless. But I realized through social media that there was really something. What are you sick of talking about? My body. Like, what about it? What, which questions are the ones that you're like, is it like, what do you eat? What's your workout routine? So here's the thing. Yes, I'm sick of talking about it, but I'm never going to not talk about it. I realize and I understand that I have been the first at so many things. And when I say first, I mean the first curvy model to do X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to have to talk about it. And there are so many now curvy women in the world, in, in, in media that are killing it. And that's exactly what we wanted. We wanted to see more visibility. We wanted to see women um, of all shapes, sizes, and ethnicities killing it. So uh, I feel like, okay, the work isn't done, but we've evolved so much that let's move on to the next thing um, because we're not going away. You know, people used to say, ask me the question, do you think that plus size is a trend? And I'm like, is my body a trend? Like is 65 to 70% of females in America a trend? No, we're not. You know, it's just the the idea of having to constantly explain my body or to talk about how do I feel? You know, something um, Amy Schumer posted one time was like, oh, am I so brave for being in a bikini? It's just my body. It's like, yeah, how is that brave? And like, it, yeah, there's there's so many things. Did that get better or worse when you were pregnant? I'm at the phase where I'm like, I don't recognize my body. This has like been taken over and my body has nothing to do with like my day-to-day -day work for a living. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't know, I wasn't trying to get pregnant, but I wasn't not trying to get pregnant. And I started rapidly gaining weight and I was like, what is going on? And sure enough, I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I was like, that makes sense. But I felt like I had been working out and eating so well and so many, like my body, I felt like my body looked amazing. And then all of a sudden I'm gaining weight in my stomach and I'd never had a stomach before. And then I started getting really like, you know, a heavy back. And then my legs started getting wobbly. And I was like, but I'm still working out. Why is it jiggling so much? And it was an alien taking over my body. And you have to succumb to that. You just have to. And it wasn't until my third trimester that I actually was like, okay, rocking the belly. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I actually didn't mind my tits being like up to here because my belly was just pushing everything up. But then you can't really breathe very well. But anyway, so, <laughs> and everything hurts. It was a journey. 
and I did not like it. I really didn't. I hated every part of it. I I felt really crazy. I felt emotional. Like there was an emotional roller coaster at every knock. I cried a lot. I laughed a lot too, but like my laughing turned into crying. It was just, re- I was really all over the place. What was it like to shoot the Vogue cover pregnant versus the first time? Like were there different meanings associated with it for you? I mean, the first time was amazing because here I am being highlighted as the first curvy model ever to be on the cover of American Vogue. And I'm with other supermodels like, ho, 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 Yeah. But then this one was just like, it was, it was almost like a miracle. I, I mean, it's like hard to describe because in the moment I'm there with Annie Leibovitz, who's taking the photo. And here's Justin with his arms wrapped around me and he's got his shirt off. I don't have any underwear or pants on. And we're on a beach in the middle of like, I don't know, we're upstate or Long Island or something. And it was just like, this is going to be in vogue and I'm pregnant. And like, what is our life? You know, from one year to the next, like things just shifted so heavily. And it was such a beautiful moment. You mentioned vision boards. You've done three or four so far. What do you think is going to be on the next one? What are things you want to start talking about? I know this is, this is the dilemma. This is the dilemma I have. It's like, what now do I want to do? That's a great dilemma. It is. It is a great dilemma. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thanks for that reminder. I think I'll have a lot more personal things on this vision board. I'm, I'm a very career driven woman and I love to work. And I've even realized now having Isaac here, like I feel so lucky that I can work from home and can still be a mama, but I definitely want to work. I don't want to be a stay at home mom. (laughs) So it's this roadblock I have right now currently where I'm like, what am I going to put on there? And, you know, there's different covers, there's different shows I want to walk. Um, there's different campaigns and things in the modeling world, but now sky's the limit. We're talking TV, movies, books, legacy. We're talking legacy at this point. So what do I want to do? That is incredible. Last question before we go to the lightning round, you are someone that's talked a lot about your faith in the past. I think that that is something that not a lot of people, if they're a super fan, they realize that about you, but it's something that maybe is not expected in the modeling world. She's half naked all the time. Jeez. (laughs) How can this Christian girl be naked in these magazines? (laughs) How has that been something that you've leaned on or like, why is that so important to you? You know, I was raised Christian and I was raised that your attendance to church had something to do with your faith. You know, I gave my life to Christ when I was in middle school, elementary, middle school. And uh, when I moved to New York at 17, I went buck wild. And I was like, you know, drinking, smoking, doing drugs, having sex, doing whatever I wanted to do. And I also decided I'm not going to church. Screw that whole idea. And I hit what at seven, eight, 17, 18 would be rock bottom. <laughs> and uh, I actually talk about this in my book about how I was, I woke up in a hospital and I had OD'd on alcohol. OD'd. I mean, yeah, I guess you say OD'd on alcohol. Yeah. I had three Long Island iced teas within an hour. So that was a rock bottom at 17 moment for me. And I realized like, oh, if I want to make any kind of change in my life, 
I kind of had to go back to the basics that I know. The only basics I knew were ch was church. So my mom told me, she was like, here's this church in Manhattan. You have to go five times in a row, and then you can decide if you don't want to go anymore. I was like, where'd you get that number? She was like, just do what I say. So sure enough, this is the church that I ended up, you know, I, I went to for years, but I ended up meeting my husband at this church. So listen to your parents because you don't know what miracles and blessings you're missing out on. But, you know, for me, my faith has been incredibly instrumental in every move that I make, every decision I make, and um, whether it's personal or business or my health. So I think everybody has a different relationship with religion or faith or spirituality. And I never call myself spiritual or religious. I just know that I have an incredible relationship with God and I tap into it and he, he talks to me and I mean, it's, it's a beautiful thing, but I think that, you know, for anybody and for so many people who are listening to this podcast, I think that a lot of people have realized that the church is like in a very weird place right now. And people who have grown up in the church feel like they feel confused they feel like wh what's here for me now and how is this how is this so instrumental in my life today and it's not it's it's the church is not keeping up with the times and it's really sad so i encourage those people to just you know dive into prayer because that's what saved me and kept me sane okay lightning round let's go what's replaced your morning commute well honestly i have just podcasts because I've got a Bluetooth speaker in my shower and it's just like, boom, click. What's the last show you binge watched? I May Destroy You. Do you cook? Girl, I don't cook, but I started cooking. I made creamy vegetable risotto the other night. Ooh. That shit was hard. It was hard. What is going to be like the surprising thing about my body that no one's going to tell me after I have this baby? Your vagina is gonna look like a tire blew up. Oh my God. Don't look at it, do not look at it. And get the Freedom Mom panties. They're disposable, because every time, oh my God. Okay, we're gonna talk after, but like you have to put witch hazel on these like orthopedic pads. pads, throw them in the freezer. And that, it's only gonna be two weeks, and all of a sudden your vagina is gonna kind of go back, but then still okay. don't look at it. Okay. <laughs> Who's the first person you call when you get good news? Um, Justin. Bad news? My husband. Justin, my husband. <laughs> when is the last time you negotiated for yourself? Woo, just this morning. What is your biggest vice? <sighs> I would have to say my biggest vice is I have to clean my plate when I'm eating. The plate has to be clean. Who is someone you haven't interviewed yet on your podcast that you want to? Oh, Jennifer Lopez. And she's, she, I just, I'm like, Jennifer, come on. I think she would be so much fun because I want to talk to her about love. I would love to hear that conversation. Who's someone we should have on this show? Cindy Eckert. She's brilliant. She's a businesswoman. I feel like you guys would just love her. And I know she would love you guys. What's your shameless plug? Ooh, pretty big deal. Well, after you listen to this podcast, go over to my podcast and listen to Pretty Big Deal. We love it. Ashley, thank you so much. I'm so happy to see you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. 
And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra.